You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Woo! What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out. You know I appreciate you. I say that every week because it's true. I appreciate you very, very much. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I had a really weird realization that my career has sort of unfolded in seven to eight year blocks. You know, I spent seven or eight years as a mechanic. I spent around eight years in the oil industry. And as 2023 is drawing to a close, I'm right at eight years in the guitar industry, which is just the most insane thing. And I have you to thank for it. Whoever you are, wherever you're hearing this, thank you so much for giving me any amount of time whatsoever. A massive shout out to everyone who supports the show through Patreon. But seriously, just listening to this and spreading the word, it's huge. It allows me Well, to keep doing this without anybody listening, there's no way I would get the opportunities that have been presented to me. So thank you so much for your time from the bottom of my heart, seriously. But enough of that blabbering because, you know, you're here for different kinds of blabbering. Let's get into this episode with my new buddy, Mr. Dave Hill. Dave is a comedian. He's a writer. He's probably one of the most multifaceted people that I've ever had on this podcast. He is a guitar fanatic. We talk a lot about gear, we talk a lot about him, and he's just a super cool dude. So if you're not familiar with Dave Hill, go check him out. His links are in the show notes, of course. He's got a new book out tomorrow. Check that out. We go over all of that here in this episode. So without further ado, let's get into this episode with Mr. Dave Hill. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Weiland. With me today, I have a freshly showered Mr. Dave Hill. How's it going, dude? Good. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to have you on because I I know we just kind of dove right into this, but, you know, uh, a listener tagged me in one of your posts, you know, talking about podcast stuff. And I was like, this is the guy from the metal video yeah from like eight years ago and i had been following you like off and on ever since so i had no idea you were as into the gear world as you oh yeah do you mean the metal the metal grasshopper stuff yep yep oh yeah 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 
Totally. I remember when that um, first dropped and I, I watched all of them. <laughs> like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, we did that. That was fun to do. But you've had a you've had a wild career way beyond that. Like I, once I started like doing more dig in cuz like I said you've popped in and out of my my internet life for since about that time period. And mm-hmm. uh you I wanted to get your your whole story because you're like you're like me if I was funny. Um <laughs> <laughs> So like, what's a, you know, obviously music's a huge part of what you do in your live shows and your just life in general, but like, yeah, what's the Dave Hill story? I want to get the whole thing. Well, it's, I mean, it's sort of been, I'm a bit of a drifter in terms of like my interests and like now kind of, I've kind of fused everything together on some level, but you know, I started playing bands in college and stuff and I had this band. I'm going to give you the, I'll try to make it quick. But, it's a podcast. Uh, you don't have to be fast. Take it as long as you want. I, I formed a band in college called Sons of Elvis, which was the best slash, slash worst band name ever, maybe. And, uh, you know, but we were all teenagers and uh, we were going to Fordham University in the Bronx. And, but we got a record deal like shortly after graduation. We signed with Priority Records, which was like, hip-hop label primarily mm-hmm. and then i'll tell you though in terms of gear uh my buddy tim parnan who you know we we played i played bass in that band though you know we both played guitar on the album our dream was to get uh in, like a sponsorship with, with esp guitars because mm-hmm. we loved uh we always thought those were so cool the george lynch guitars and like Paige hamilton Absolutely. Uh, from Helmet. And then so we did. We got uh we got a bunch of ESP guitars. And so it's like our high school dreams come true. Um and so that band, you know, we made one record, had a couple songs on the radio, a video on MTV, like in the middle of the night, back when that was uh meant some meant anything, you know. <laughs> and uh so from there, you know, I kind of that fell apart. I formed another band and then during that time, I was I started writing, and you know I was playing in, in another band. I was enjoying like talking on stage in between songs, and then I in writing I you know I started just, like joking around. So from that, I I wound up briefly briefly doing like journalism stuff, and then started writing for television. And this is like twenty years ago at this point. Um, and then from being just an idiot around the office while writing for television, they started to like encourage me to be like a performer. Cause I never really planned to go into comedy as a performer. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, so it kind of, I started doing that and it kind of grew organically and started doing, you know, little you know, acting here and there. And meanwhile I had, I'm just like overlapping all this stuff, but uh, I formed a band called Valley Lodge, and we're still together. I formed it with my buddy John Kimbrough, who he had a great band called Walt Mink. That was one of my favorite bands, and he's in LA now doing like awesome, you know, music and film. I mean, TV and film music stuff. But the band is still going, and and uh, one of our songs is the theme to the John Oliver last week tonight with John Oliver on HBO. Oh, nice! That's and, awesome. Uh, so anyway. You know, I've been doing comedy now for like 
19 years, I think, coming up on, uh, or wait, what, what year is it now? Maybe 18 years. I can't remember. Um, and, and then, so, you know, started incorporating the guitar more into the comedy for a while. I kept it separate just cause I wasn't sure like how I wanted to mix them together. And then, you know, sort of in recent years, I've been doing more where I just kind of tell my jokes and rip solos at the same time. I and, love it. Uh, it's uh it's just a better way. It's more fun for me and it makes it so I only have to leave the house once, you know, I, I do comedy <laughs> and music at the same time rather than like do a comedy show, then go play with my band. But I, you know, I still play, play with my band sometimes, but, uh, but yeah. So and now, um, now they're really, it's, it's all pretty blurry. Like tonight I'm in Toronto and I'm going to do a show with my buddy, Nick Flanagan, another comedian, but I'm going to have, uh, Chris Murphy from Sloan, play drums and Brendan Brendan Canning from Broken Social Scene play bass with the nice. my backup band for the night. And you know, I kinda you know, I just did this tour with Tenacious D, which was the funnest thing I've ever done in my life, pretty much. And I had um their drummer Scott and bass player John join me as the rhythm section for that. So yeah, it's all kind of, everything's kind of mushing together uh in a nice way, I think. And and from a gear perspective, you know, I've been like uh, amassing way too much gear and like, uh, you know, some company has been kind enough to uh, send a few things my way, which is uh, really nice and awesome. And my, my inner 15 year old is completely uh, freaking out you know? oh, yeah. <laughs> to, be able to have like a guitar company want me to play, you know, something. So, I can yeah. uh, I can definitely relate to that because yeah I didn't ever think that this was gonna be a job. Well, it wasn't a job ten years ago. It was like this wasn't a thing that existed. So yeah, the first time I had companies ever wanted to work with me, I was like, "Are you? Why? Why? I'm a guy in a shed in the yeah. middle of Oregon. So I'm like, what are you talking about? Like this is weird." But um. Uh, yeah, similarly, my inner 15-year-old is like, wow, this is crazy. This is so cool. But, yeah, um, yeah, totally. But I've never seen anybody meld the two worlds the way you have. Like, you clearly have, it's, you know, it's not just a, a gimmick. It's it's part of who you are as a person. Your interest in uh, all this stuff is is very genuine, and I think that comes across in your performances and just kind of how you exist on in the online space you know and uh that seems kind of rare sometimes i feel like some comedians might you know have a prop or something and that's really is just part of the act they don't really care but this is truly a part of your like your being the guitar is yeah yeah for sure um and it you know it took me a while to like because i was always playing and and stuff but i think with comedy early on i wasn't sure how to introduce it because you know, it seemed like a lot of people were just kind of like, I, I guess I I didn't think it would be funny to be, you know, it's kind of funny to just bash away and and not be very good. And I was like, oh, it's not funny to be good. But then I was like, it's really funny to be really good. I sort of realized <laughs> that, which is not me saying I'm really good. I mean, like, you I'm are really good, like, though. You are good. Oh, thanks. But I'm mm-hmm. always, you know, 
you know, I'm always wanting to get better and stuff. And I, I recognize, you know, there's some, some flaws to my playing, but then also <laughs> at the same time, that in turn is, is funny to, you know, play like a, a shreddy thing and just have it go off the rails. So you really can't, you really can't lose, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's just a lot of fun to, to mix the two and, uh, and, uh, yeah, have an excuse, uh, to, you know, do some nice Floyd Rose dive bombs and things like that. And, uh, yeah. So when you are writing your shows, obviously like comedy is not, it's something I absorb as a audience member, but like the process of it is far beyond my understanding. I did one tiny bit of stand up in a friend's backyard once and I was horrible at it and hated it. Um, even though I'm like public speaking's fine, but like trying to be funny mm-hmm. just like crushed my entire soul. Uh, so, but like songwriting is very familiar to me and that, that all comes pretty naturally. But when you're trying to blend the two together, I mean, yeah, you're dive bombing, doing solos and, and whatever, but when you're actually writing the routine, are you writing like with the instrument at the same time? Or do you say like insert dive bomb here or like, how do you go about crafting yeah. this? No, no, I don't, I don't write with the instrument. I, I always like have the, you know, cause everything that I do, whenever anything that I do with, you know, the guitar and playing music, I, I usually work it out on stage without the guitar. So, so, you know, though, I want the words to, I want it to work without the guitar, you know, it has to be strong without that. And then you add the guitar and then it adds, it turns into these other elements, um, you know, cause I, I just want to, I want it to like exist on its own and be funny just as the words, you know, performing that aspect of, it. and then add to add the guitar is sort of like, um, it's just this other element. Um, and I, you know, a lot of that is like just kind of spontaneous. Some nights go better than others. Cause it's like, you're squeezing <laughs> in, you know, solos in between and, you know, the kind of, the you know, I've sort of started doing it like, to, you know, play licks to underscore what I just said or, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And, uh, you know, some nights it works into a good flow. And then other times when it's like, oh, I only have, you know, X amount of time. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I can't rip too many solos during this. I only have nine minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you got to really squeeze it in. But then, you know, when it's my own headlining shows and stuff and I can really take as much time as I want, it's, that's really fun to just, to, uh, you know, kind of step back and, and disappear into the guitar a little bit. And it, it it's, I mean, not to overanalyze it, but it's fun. Like as like, you know, I guess I'm extroverted in terms of, you know, being a performer, but I'm also super introverted and hate, uh, being in front of people. (laughs) So, you know, to be able to talk and then kind of like just solo and stuff and, you know, hit a few pedals and stuff is really fun for me. That makes, that makes some sense. It gives you a, like a moment of solace, you know, kind of while you're in the spotlight, you're like, wait, I can shrink behind this thing for a minute or a second. Yeah. You can kind of almost observe like, the show for a second, you kind of step out and be like, I'm just going to kind of assess what's going on here. while while I do some, uh, some hot licks and, uh, <laughs> it's also fun. Like, 
it's sort of like, cause you know, I still play in a couple bands that are just, you know, pretty straightforward. And, and then with comedy, you know, it's all like with my, even my gear is different. You know, there's like pedals that I view as comedy pedals. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, oh yeah. And comedies and, and pedals that I'm like, Oh, that's just a straight up rock pedal. And same with the guitars, you know, there's varying levels of uh, guitars that are like, you know, some are funnier than others. You know, the funniest one I have is probably, I have a Dean Razor Bolt, mm-hmm. which is, is kind of like their most extreme version of, it's like the Razorback with extra extra jagged. It's got yep. a Floyd Rose. It's uh, has a very, man, the, probably the pointiest guitar ever made. And uh, so that might be the top comedy guitar I, <laughs> I have. And then, then on the other hand, you know, I have some tellies and, you know, gold top Les Paul, which, you know, I've used in comedy, but those are more, uh, more straight up rock guitars. Sure. Sure. What do you think the funniest guitar ever made is? <sighs> May, I mean, the perfect person to ask this question to, I think I've never asked that question before. I mean, you got to go. I mean, the Dean's Dean has made. I, I will say the Dean, the Razor Bolt that I have is it. It is awesome. It's up there. Really, yeah. It's really fun to play. I would say that's a top comedy guitar. Uh, you know, a BC Rich Warlaw. I mean, it's hard to say because like Warlaw. I mean, I also think you know, like. I love the Dean and I love the like BC Rich Warlock, which I've never had. Mm-hmm. I would like one or like an Iron Bird, I think would be pretty sweet. Iron Bird would be sick. Yep. Um, but I've never, I had a, I had a um, Mockingbird briefly, but it just, we didn't, just wasn't the right, we didn't click. So yeah. I, I set it free. <laughs> I understand. Um, but uh, I love, I mean, I, I still want a Mockingbird. It was just that particular one wasn't the right one. Sure. It's like a p- pandemic purchase. Um, but uh, what's it? I can't remember. Guild made this guitar in like the 80s that was like really, I don't even know what it was called, but it was pretty ridiculous. I think JJ French from Twisted Sister played one. Um, but I can't remember what the model is called, but it's pretty pretty ridiculous mm-hmm. um but i think in general the funniest guitars are big the bigger the pointier it's it's always good good to have a floyd rose though then you have to have two you have to you know you can't can't just go out with one floyd rose guitar unless you have <laughs> not to be though this is a gear show so i guess i can yeah. go down this road like you, you can. can have it you can have the have it blocked so you don't have to worry about breaking strings but you know but uh yeah i i really like uh i mean a guitar that sort of covers the full spectrum for me that i use a lot for everything um you know whether it's comedy or just being uh just straight up rocking i have a dunnable asteroid oh yeah it's like a flying v style i love those and it's just such a beautiful guitar and it's it's uh it's you know I've had a I have a '79 Gibson Flying V, and this one and it's cool of course, but 
Um, and I and a friend was telling me recently the seventy nine Flying V is now like a hot year because of Kirk Hammett or something. But uh, yeah, the the, the, the seventy nine to like eighty four Gibsons in general are starting to become pretty hot items. I think because of Kirk Hammett and uh, oh, my brain just failed. Uh, tool. Adam Jones. There we go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, all of those late 70s, early 80s Gibsons are starting to go through the roof. So, take good care of that one. Yeah, I know. I got to dig it out. I broke it at one point. I had not to see what shape it's in. But, uh, but yeah, the Dunnable is, like, uh, just, like, amazingly well-balanced. And uh, the pickups are awesome. It just You can use it for anything. Um, so and I've been using that one a lot. Um, I've been touring with my friend Puddles Pity Party a lot, and that's been the main guitar for those shows. It's just oh, nice. like beautiful, like V, you know, the V shape, and then it's like a frost blue. Um, it's got an out of phase switch on it for when I want to really, you know, Brian May it up. Mm-hmm. It's really cool, cool guitar. I love it. When did you and pick then, that up? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. And maybe I should have said this earlier. Maybe the funniest guitar I have is uh, Delaney guitars in Texas. Mike Delaney builds these beautiful guitars, and they're they're more traditional, generally, you know, Fender and Gibson inspired, you know, but doing his own thing, you know, kind of taking it in his own direction. But he got a hold of. Uh, some like some Dean custom shop. So this company that was making like the body, you know, the whole, you know, they were doing everything, the frets and bodies for some Dean custom shop guitars. And okay. somehow he got a hold of a couple of them. And so he had one like a, a Razorback. And he was like, I'm going to, you know, finish this one for you. What do you want? And, you know, I'm like, can I do anything? It's like, yeah. And so, do you know Toile, the the fabric? It's like a design. It's like sort of French. You know it because you'd see it and you'd be like, oh, my aunt has that as her Oh, okay. Her All right. It's like, oh, yes, has like, yes, yes. Kind of like French peasants having picnics and there's trees. <laughs> and um, I, it's kind of a motif that I really like. So I had a jumpsuit made of that like kind of pattern. And then when Mike, you know, was like, what do you want the guitar to look like? I was like, I want to have a twall guitar. So I picked <laughs> out some fabric and sent it to him and he glued, glued the fabric to the top of the guitar and the top of the headstock. And it looks amazing. And then it's got like a, you know, vintage Floyd wrote like eighties Floyd Rose on it. And then, some of his hand wound pickups in it. And that guitar is an amazing guitar, but it's also, uh, I do like stepping on stage where with a twelve outfit and a twelve yes. <laughs> guitar. So that, that's a pretty funny move in my, in my opinion. Um, I'm with you. So that, that could be the winner. I like that. But, but now that I having said that though, I could just go on all day. I have this right here. Oh, this guitar I don't think it's particularly funny. I have this beautiful 
uh, Illuminati guitars. Oh yeah, Orion, which is an amazing guitar. Like it, it plays. It's just great. Uh, plays amazingly well. It has Lawler Imperials in it. It's a total beast. And then what I love about the Illuminati guitars is they, you know, they go, they make these crazy, amazing, beautiful guitars. And then they put, oh, you can't really see it, but I think I oh, need yeah, to change I the can. batteries. But yeah. um, the body, they have LED lights in it. So I love the that. whole, the whole guitar lights up. And I thought, um, I mean, it's really cool, but I also think it's really funny to uh, when you're ripping a solo and you need to take it to the next the next level you just turn the lights on and i like that they i like that they um spent all this time crafting this amazing instrument and then they're like we're not done yet let's put some lights in there and then i'm actually going i'm going to be in Asheville where they they're based and uh james little who you know he's the boss there he said he was gonna mm-hmm. swap my lights out so i there'll be multi i can change the colors you know so like i'll be the guitar's blue and then switch it to another whatever i'm not sure what other colors i'm going to find out when i go there but yeah very like, excited yeah if they do like an rgb uh led in it it can it can be a pretty big spectrum so i've got some that are like kind of like run along the conduit in here sometimes when i'm shooting videos and i can change it from like red purple green like all you know you get quite a good good spectrum so that's yeah, probably what he's going to do um, yeah super cool yeah, I've been really wanting to go check those out. I I saw I talked to James like years ago uh, mm-hmm. at a name show and thought the guitars were incredible. And then like fast forward to about a year ago, we started supplying the strings for all of those. Um, and so oh, it's, nice. yeah, so it's like it's been kind of a weird like dance around that we haven't really connected the dots yet, uh, but we will we will soon. And yeah, they make. To me, they make such like they they they're kind of wild. They're kind of out there, but they're classy. They don't look like they don't look weird in a way that you wouldn't want to play it. You know, sometimes people try to extend the guitar design shape out a little bit too far for my tastes. And uh, yeah. I think Illuminati has done a good job while getting out there, but still being aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, yeah, totally. They're they're. They're totally badass. And yeah, mm-hmm. there you can kind of like, I mean, they have all sorts of, pe- you know, me, of course, playing one, but uh, and now I'm in the spacing on his name, but the bass player for Government Mule, you know, if you can, if you can play it in Government Mule and then I can go open for Tenacious D with it, it's pretty mm-hmm. wide. It's a good range. It's a good but, range. You know, yeah. And it looks cool in both settings. So uh, yeah, it's, it's totally badass guitar. Um, that's what well, I have for, with me right now. For the listeners, I suppose we should say this. We looked at it here, but um, you know, it's kind of a the one that Dave has is kind of a translucent body, you know, and they make they're called Illuminati because they use a lot of aluminum in the process. Almost all of them have an aluminum neck. Some of them are fully aluminum. It just kind of depends on uh, what you want. So they're they're not exactly a traditional guitar maker, but they do make incredible stuff. So go check them out, everybody, because it is super, super cool. Yeah, they're cool stuff. And then, you know, I'm a fan of, you know, I'm big, you know, I have a lot of Gibsons and stuff too. I'm a huge SG fan. Um, oh, yeah. I have an I have a SG that I love that uh, 
that I take out with me a lot. And uh, yeah, sweet Les Paul. I'm just guitar obsessed, really. There's yeah. no, <laughs> uh, there's no really kind of guitar. I'm not not really big Strat guy, but uh, I just haven't found the right one yet. Mm-hmm. I can relate to that. Hi, I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Maris Mercury X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4,800 hertz sample rate and 99 preset locations in 33 banks and something along the lines of the most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at Maris.us, as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, now can I have my talkie? How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services. And it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than 2 bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. Strats are interesting, right? Because they're obviously like the most popular electric guitar ever. I mean, I say this a lot on the podcast, but it's the guitar emoji is a Stratocaster. That's what everybody thinks of as guitar. But yeah. I've never found one that just resonated with with me. I've fa- I've played some that I like, but I I don't own one out of all the stuff that I that I've cycled through. The Strats never landed in the in the the shed for very long. Um, but one day, I'm sure one day it'll happen. Yeah, it's out there. You just got to find the right one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I bought one. Again, that was my other pandemic purchase. I bought a Mockingbird and I bought a Strat. And then I had to release them both back into the wild <laughs> after a few months. <laughs> yeah. So what's the rest of your rig look like when you are when you are on tour? I'm sure at home you are like all of us and have a gajillion pedals and it gets all over the place. But when you're actually outperforming, what do you usually bring with you these days? I mean, I change it up all the time, but I mean, the sort of what one pedal that's always, always on the board is, uh, I have a lot. I love Earthquaker devices pedals mm-hmm. and I have, a, I have a ton of those, but I always the dispatch dispatch master, um, by them. It's such like, a you know, it's like reverb and delay and you can, it, you can kind of do whatever. And it only has four knobs, which I can't stress enough is, you know, I'm, I'm just a simple man from Cleveland <laughs> and, uh, 
I did too many knobs. If it, something has too many knobs, I start to get nervous. So that one has four knobs, which is, is kind of like my three, three or four knobs is my comfort zone. So, you know, and mm-hmm. so I use that. And then uh, I have a TC electronics ditto looper that I use. Um, that's when, you know, when I can't have a backing band, I'll have the looper pedal, even though I, I prefer to have a backing band. Um, and then I was using Wampler Pinnacle for, you know, gain, you know, to the sound. But lately I've been using, um, for a while now, the Greer amps. Um, it's like, I think it's called a Super Cobra. Oh, okay. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it's called, but um, I use that a lot. And then um, I really like uh, Ibanez made this Paul Gilbert airplane flanger. Oh yeah, I forgot about which is, that. I wish they would reissue it in like a smaller, uh, you know what? What's it called? Enclosure. Yeah, enclosure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's massive and I feel like it's cool that it's massive, but I bet they could make it much smaller. <laughs> Probably so. Um, yeah, but it's a, it's such a cool, the, the flange on it is, is totally badass. And then it has this thing like, uh, another button on it. That's kind of like this looping, like, mm-hmm. like it, and you can adjust the speed and, yeah, it's probably the feedback if I had to guess on that. Yeah, you can just kind of hit it and it and it and you can you know use it like in lieu of a of a dive bomb and or or you can just make it crazy. It's a good comedy pedal. Speaking of comedy pedals. Um that's exactly where I was going to go next. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it you know, so with that like I like the Earthquaker Devices Data Corruptor, which is an insane pedal that you can make, you know, it sounds like kind of, it's a, a PPL pedal, which I don't even know what that means, but I knew, I learned that's a category. Of it is. Pedal. It's kind of a synthesizer circuit that a lot of people have explored in the fuzz realm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Mm-hmm. that's a totally badass pedal and you can have that be a yeah, synthy octave distortion type thing, but then, or you can just make it sound like the whole venue PA is broken depending on how you set it. <laughs> so I've had that a lot, but then, you know, with the tenacious detour, I, I was just trying to make my board like super lean and mean. Um, and I forgot, I didn't bring that cause I was just like, I need to really pare down. And then I got out there and, you know, the shows were like 10,000 people some nights. And mm-hmm. I was like, I need a crazy, pedal that's going to destroy this place and so i I didn't want to buy another data corruptor because then i would have two when i got home so we were in nashville and i bought um third man records you know does those pedal collaborations and there's Mm -hmm. like the mantic flex oh yeah yeah i think that was the first one they did and that's sort of like uh it's it's also a ppl pedal uh, I, I do this because I, I read up. I was like, what? So it's basically like kind of a simpler 
version of the data corruptor three mm -hmm. three knobs and i i got that and um and that's pretty cool um what else do i have um the earthquaker c machine i think it's called is their chorus that i've been using but then they just came out with another chorus that's called i have it and i forget what it's called i should look it up just because uh, the new chorus let's see let's see if i can find it earthquaker devices there's so many things to try to remember chorus it starts with an a or an e we got uh the the ariel i know this is why you couldn't remember because it's hard to say arielis Ar oh Ar yeah yeah Ar arlius Aurelius, Aurelius? I, I don't know, but that Tri voice chorus, yeah, that's a really great chorus. So, um, yeah, that'll that would probably take the place of the C machine next time. Um, and what what else to see? Oh, you know, I bought a couple pedals from Brad Davis, who plays bass in Fu Manchu. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Creepy fingers. Creepy effects. fingers. Yeah. Brad's those great. are I mean, those are dangerous because they're so cool. I mean, they sound great, but then they look really cool, which is obviously, you know, it's a slippery slippery slope when a pedal sounds really cool, but then it looks really cool. So I got <laughs> I got the belch pedal, which is kind of like uh it's kind of like a big muff that's that's gone off the rails in a really awesome way. And then I bought um, the Regulus pedal, I think it's called. It's kind of like the Os Mutantes sound. Mm -hmm. And uh, I haven't really had a lot of time to mess around with that one yet, but uh, I really dig that. Um, I mean, it's endless. I'm such a pedal whore, really. <laughs> I bought a Fuzz Rocious croak pedal when i was oh, in boston oh yeah the croak yes and that's an amazing pedal uh it, i kind of had that i need to like i i benched it for a little bit not because anything wrong with it because i but i just realized i needed to do a little homework and like get better i needed to like uh i use it for it's a killer pedal but it does does so many cool things i was like i need to figure out the right cool thing and um Oh my God, I can't, there's, it's Fuzz Rocious that. actually is a good, now that you, Ryan's a good friend. He's, I think, been on this podcast more than any other pedal builder, if I had to guess. I think he's oh, been nice. on like four times. But we can just go off, just go off. We just go off the rails and who knows where these conversations are going to land. But he has a great sense of humor. And I think there are several Fuzz Rocious builds, especially some of the like more limited stuff over the years that probably qualify for good comedy pedals. Right now he's got one out called the Tyranno Chorus, which, which is a chorus with a built-in fuzz circuit in the feedback loop, which you can turn on and off. Oh, and, that uh, sounds pretty awesome. If it's it's so great. I, I love Ryan. Ryan's fantastic. Yeah, those are cool. I want to check out more. There's some other pedal he makes that I was reading about that it sounds like it's fuzz with phase. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, he's done a couple of different of these things where he's integrated modulation with phase, or excuse me, modulation with fuzz. And uh, I, I can't remember the name of that one off the top of my head, but I can picture the pedal in my brain. Um, I think it might not be available anymore. I don't know. He's going to get me in trouble but uh, for speculating. But 
Yeah. Oh, you know, now, I mean, this is endless. I could just do this all day. And then when we're done, I'm going to kick myself for not mentioning some pedals. But there's spruce effects. Do you know spruce yeah. effects? Yeah. Those are, those are badass. I have a Gale mm-hmm. that is, uh, I sometimes have that as like my gain uh, situation. That's totally badass pedal. And it, you know, it, I love pedals that, um, kind of you there's like a kind of go off the rails setting where you're kind of there's things <laughs> that are going to happen that are like kind of you know like if you were to go like a, a boss what's it called the sd1 or mm-hmm. the that would be just like kind of that nothing crazy is going to really happen with that pedal i like right. the sort of other ones that are like you know kind of uh sputter and like a you know and hiss like a a, a machine that's about to explode. Mm-hmm. That, those are kind of my favorite pedals. So that that's a cool pedal because it you know it can do like super just kind of controlled things, and then you can kind of have it do some other 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 crazy stuff. And um, yeah, just get get out there on the edge a little bit further. Yeah, daredevil mm-hmm. pedals. Those are cool. Do you know those pedals? Uh, I saw that dude from afar at a guitar show, but I didn't get a chance to go over there. So I'm I'm familiar with the brand, but I need to. Yeah, he makes I need badass to get, stuff. Chicago. To, yeah. Um, trying to think. Yeah, it's it's endless though. But so uh, so okay. What I have my board right here, but where is it? I could tell you what's on. I'm trying to think what's on it. Dispatch Master. Yeah, the Third Man Mantic Flex mm-hmm. thing. I think the Greer is on there. And the lately, my friend Doug Womble, who's like a more of a jazz cat, he loaned me his uh, Strymon Iridium. Oh yeah, which uh, I used. I usually prefer to have an amp, even if it's like, you know, I've played when I opened for Down in New Orleans, and I used uh, five inch Fender like practice amp. In front of two <laughs> two thousand people, just because we thought it would be funnier, but I don't mind doing that if you mic it and just uh, it's all I need. I don't need much to to, to take some heads off. But he loaned uh, Doug loaned me his uh, Strymon, and I used that uh, in August for my European dates, and then uh, and I used it for the whole Tenacious Detour. And oh that wow. Was, uh, yeah, so it was it was cool. Um, you know, it's just easier for you know an old man not to have a lug and amp around. Uh, <laughs> though I have plenty of amps too. I'm just too lazy usually to t- take if, them anywhere. If you are gonna play with an amp live again, like I know it's a little different in studios and at home because you can just mess around and do whatever you want. But if you're gonna lug one out live, if it's if it's gonna be worth the pain, which one are you bringing with you? I mean, of my own, I have, I have an orange half stack, like a seventies cab four twelve that mm. used to belong to Urge Overkill, and then it belonged to my friend John Kimbrough, and now I have it. Um, but I haven't taken that anywhere in forever. But I have that, and then like an orange AD thirty head mm-hmm. from like it's at least twenty years old. I, I think it was from when that brief period, I think when Gibson was making them, I think I, th- I forgot about that. I That's think right. 
I'd have to look at it. I think that it's from that era, or it might just be a, a, a straight-up orange. But it's, you know, it's not a vintage one. Um, and then I have uh, Swart. Do you know that? Mm-hmm. Swart amps? I have... Oh, I can't even remember what it's called, but it's it's a little amp and it's uh it's awesome. And uh it's called God, I can't remember. I can't remember what model it is. But I, it's very yeah. it's very simple. I think it has like two knobs again, which is I always like that. Um so you know, of my own amps, those ones and but then I don't know, like uh Vox AC30. I'm always super psyched. Um, pretty much anything. You like it all. But <laughs> a Roland Jazz Chorus, I wouldn't be too happy if I had that <laughs> was all I had to use, even though they're cool for some stuff. Though I just saw, I just saw Belly and my friend Tanya Donnelly, the singer, guitar player, she was playing. I think that was the only amp she was using and it sounded great. So I stand corrected. But, um, I just don't like super clean, you know, I don't like, you know, twin reverbs too much because you have to crank them so loud to, at least for my enjoyment, they have to be so loud. I like an amp that, um, you know, will do cool things at, you know, not deafening volumes, but I'm also any more though, and this is maybe blasphemous, but I tend to do so much through my pedals Mm -hmm. that um, because so often I'm just using whatever again, out of laziness and and ease of travel, I tend to just use, you know, whatever amp is there. And so I've kind of figured it out to where I'll just can, if if you get me like a clean amp, just run it pretty flat. I just do everything through, through the pedals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's blasphemous or not, but when I first started really getting into gear, that was how I started first because all I had was a big clean fender. And it sounds good, but I like metal and I like a lot of other things. And so, it, you know, I was like, well, everyone says you need a tube amp and then you use pedals. And so I just kind of went down the rabbit hole of adjusting my tone with pedals and kind of leaving the amp alone for a long time. I mean, that changed eventually, but. That was mm-hmm. how I started. It was just like big, clean platform. And, you know, I would do everything from from the front. And, uh, yeah, a lot yeah. of people say that's not the way to do it. But I've, I've always gotten pretty good results with it. I've always been really happy with with that approach. So I don't think it's yeah. wrong. No, it's not. It's, it's not wrong. I think Paul Gilbert, who's, you know, obviously an insanely great guitar player, I think he... I think he does that. Like he run uses marshals, but he runs them clean and just does pedals mm-hmm. for for the gain stuff. Well, yeah. And, and so then, if he can do it, I can do it. That's we can right. all do it. That's right. If pal- wait, is that how that works? Hmm. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. I don't know. What is right anymore? But yeah, it's the iridium too. Though is a great example of like things have just come so far in the ability to have really good sound and not rely on an amp. And then that seems weird. And it seems kind of like not, that's not rock and roll, bro. But like (laughs) I, uh, you know, if I've said it before, if I was traveling around 
I would definitely have something like that. I don't know which one it would be, if it would be an Axe Effects or Line 6 or an Iridium or, or what. But it almost certainly would be that because it's just, it's so much better than it used to be. It would just, it's absurd how good that kind of emulation has gotten. And, you know, if you're relying on it to pay the bills, the more efficient you can be and still get the results you're looking for, the better. Yeah, totally. Uh, Alex Skolnick uh, from Testament, buddy of mine, uh, he has this great sub stack and he just did, wrote a big thing about, you know, about amp modeling and being like, maybe the end of real, you know, the end of real amps is near in terms of touring and stuff. Cause so many, so many bands like, just they just you know they don't even have amps they just have like Kemper or whatever I've mm-hmm. heard I've heard rumors that that's what Metallica is doing now. Whoa, even Metallica? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean it, it's possible. I mean I just saw them. I'd heard that, but then I saw them, uh, you know, at MetLife Stadium and their whole. There's no amps on stage, so why would you know? Why would they bother? They probably. You know. Yeah, if they're not on stage, there's a good chance that they are doing something like that. Because mm-hmm. if you if you got them, you're going to show people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. so they don't even have them. And then, uh, yeah, I've talked to some other play. I guess I don't want to name name names because maybe some some people don't want people to know or something, or they probably don't care. But I've talked to a lot of people. I'm surprised that they're just like, yeah, just Kemper or whatever, or, uh, or whatever the act. What's the axe one? The Axe Effects, yeah. Axe Effects. I don't even, I've never even tried that. Um, I haven't either. It's kind of the OG of that world mm-hmm. of like the professional level modelers, I think. But I've, I've never played with it either, so I can't really speak to it. But most of the other ones I have at this point, um, it's it's all pretty impressive. But I, I don't yeah. know. I talk, Similarly, I, I've interviewed a lot of guys from a lot of, like the metalcore world here especially in the last like six months and some of those interviews are kind of interesting because it's supposed to be a gear show and they're like well i have a i have a kemper and that's and then, all and it is <laughs> like and but the other side of that coin is pretty much i mean there's a couple exceptions but pretty much everybody when they're in the studio goes back to amps and pedals like none yeah. of them are like yeah we just plug in like almost almost nobody is just going digital at in the metal world at like a really high level, everyone still wants their bones to kind of vibrate and shake. And I understand that. We are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the gear exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there. That's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, Right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby, because let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff. 
Hello there. I'd like to introduce you to your new best friend, the Chase Bliss Audio Lossy. Lossy is a collaboration between Chase Bliss and Good Hertz. It's meant to give you some control over those weird digital artifacts that come with very compressed audio. You're hearing it right now. All the changes that are taking place are strictly coming from my plane dynamics. I'm just interacting with the pedal and letting it do its thing. And some true stereo goodness. If you'd like some more details about Lossy, I invite you to head over to chaseblintsaudio.com. I think you're going to like what you find. It's more fun, you know, anyway, to, with amps. I mean, I, I still ultimately, you know, I don't fully understand really like how, you know, this pedal and that pedal interact with, you know, going into like a digital amp. Like, I don't think it's going to work out the same. Um, I love, yeah, just pairing different things and having, you know, being surprised what, you know, what comes out. And, and, uh, and again, I can't stress enough. I love, I love the sound of something that seems like it's about to completely, uh, explode implode mm-hmm. so yeah. <laughs> uh you know running running things really hot into a tiny amp and seeing if it blows it's fun it is it's a good time because like, what's the worst that's gonna happen it's like huh i blew my tubes yeah. out or whatever yeah exactly like, it's not that big of a deal we can we can fix this we can we can resurrect it from the ashes if uh if need be um but yeah, uh, so I imagine, you know, this is kind of a bit of a segue. I mean, we could talk about our favorite pedals, I think, all day, maybe for the next 24 hours and just record the whole thing. But <laughs> uh, but I I, uh, I imagine you're wanting to do some of these interviews because, you know, I've heard you're an author, you know, and you, I, you have a book that oh, people this probably... Oh, a great will, segue. Uh, yeah, I want to hear about this book. Tell me more about this book. I did. I wrote this book that it just came out. Uh, well, it comes out in the U.S. on the 24th, but I'm in Canada as I talk to you, and it's already out here in the rest of the world. Uh, it's called The Awesome Game, One Man's Incredible, Globe-Crushing Hockey Odyssey. Um, <laughs> and and if, it's for it, the listeners, as they li- are hearing this, it'll be out. If you're listening to this the day it releases, it'll be out tomorrow. Oh, so, excellent. Yes. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect timing. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's I, I'm a big hockey fan, and I grew up playing, and and uh, so you know, sort of early we're talking about you know I've been able to to kind of smush all my interests into one career, comedy and music and writing and stuff. But the one thing I really haven't figured out how to make a part of my career is hockey, you know, because I I think I knew I wasn't going to make the NHL by about twelve, <laughs> and. Uh, um, so I, I just love hockey. So I wrote this book, I traveled around the world and, um, you know, and just watched amazing hockey games, met with other people that love hockey and even played hockey with, you know, I, I went to 
I went as far away as Kenya. There's one team in all of Kenya, the Kenya Ice Lions. Whoa. And uh, and they play on the only rink in all of Kenya. And I w- so I went over there and, and I played hockey with them. And that was an amazing experience. I'd never been to Africa before. And it was just beautiful. And, and just, you know. It was I, I saw a I saw a baboon steal a loaf of bread from a bunch of school children, <laughs> which was maybe the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. It was completely I mean, it was hilarious. It was scary because as I saw it kind of unfolding, I was like, it was really they took it from the teacher. The teacher was holding this loaf of bread in, you know, there's in like a like wonder bread kind of in the plastic. And I see this baboon from coming and I'm just like, you know, my, my baboon access has been pretty limited sure. in my life. Sure. So I'm just like, I don't know what this guy's capable of. Is he going to like attack? Is it, you know, so, and I was the only, you know, I was like, I think I may, I, I might have to fight this baboon. Oh, I'm geez. the only one around. <laughs> I'm the only one around, I think, who could maybe have a chance against like, this only guy. adult male like in the vicinity right like, yeah exactly so mm-hmm. so fortunately though the baboon just stole the loaf of bread and and ran off and it was uh the kids were going nuts laughing i was laughing my ass off <laughs> so anyway many <laughs> adventures in the book but um yeah it's kind of the book is hockey is this the thread of the book but it, it's you know it spills off into other adventures uh baboon attacks i got in trouble with the police in poland and i thought i was going to prison for the rest of my life in poland for a solid 10 minutes until they explained to me finally in english that i i just jaywalked that's all that happened <laughs> they just were they just take it really seriously okay and uh but pol and poland was i'd been there before to do comedy but um it was pretty amazing i went to pro games there and their their fans are the craziest sports fans have seen anywhere they're just completely unhinged and that was super fun so there is i have to say not a lot of gear talk in my new book um but uh the same passion that i have for gear i have for hockey so that is in the book and but i have written it for you know it's for hockey fans on one level but it's i've tried to write it in a way that people that don't like sports at all and it's you know hopefully an enjoyable an, an enjoyable book to read even if you uh, aren't aren't into uh, into hockey. I mean, you sold me with the baboon story. That's all I really needed to hear. To I, I mean, I gotta, if you like, I got to read more. Come for the hockey, stay for the baboon attack. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. Well, we are approaching the end of the podcast, and uh, you know, I got a couple classic questions I like to wrap the episodes up on. But sure. before I do, I like to give the guests kind of the chance to take the stage to shout out anybody they want to shout out. If there's, you know, you're talking to a couple thousand people right now, so if there's anything you've wanted to say to a couple thousand people uh, in a recorded format, this is your your chance to do so. Obviously, we just talked about the book, so that's cool. But is there anything else you'd like to yeah, throw I mean, out there into the void? I guess with gear, you know, I should give some shout out to some of my, my friends in the gear world. Um, you know, Earthquaker Devices, of course, mm-hmm. Spruce Effects. I'm trying to do like categories 
because I'm and 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 I apologize to anyone. I'll invariably forget to mention uh, people, but uh, yeah, Illuminati guitars. I mean, Gibson guitars. I just was down there. Alex Skolnick and I went uh, and had uh, an amazing time with Cesar there. Nice. Um, had a, a play. We played like all these. We played. I played Big Ed like the the first year uh, Explorer. I played that it, one too. It's pretty magical. You played that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's incredible. It's like, ooh, like it feels magical. It, yeah, it's magical. We went we went down there, and Cesar brought us into the vault, and I didn't think we were going to be allowed to touch anything. And I then, didn't either. That's- and then <laughs> I I grabbed Big Ed. Alex, uh, he got the um the Les Paul that's like sister to Greeny or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we walk in and then I can't remember what one Cesar grabbed, but we're playing like guitars valued at like one, two million dollars. And I'm just <laughs> like, please don't. I, I met we met Billy Gibbons. I held Pearly Gates. I was I was too afraid to play it, but Alex played it. Um, and Billy was super nice. and That was cool. So, yeah, all those. So Cesar and everyone at Gibson, Erica Gibson, um, Delaney guitars, of course, I got a shout out. Um, Woodbine and Woodwright guitars. Do you know those guys, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I just got a um badass warlord that's really cool. It's it's tuned to C, and I can't decide whether I'm going to keep it that way or. <laughs> um, I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy Marzi Montezeri, who just sent me one of his uh solar priestesses, which is totally uh crazy awesome guitar i'm excited about um and i got a shout out to 30th street guitars oh um, yeah absolutely in new york uh matt and jimmy and everybody and uh and then of course carmine street guitars we didn't even talk about that oh man carmine street guitars i can't believe i haven't brought them up yet because they're such good friends and make such beautiful guitars oh they're fantastic rick rick and cindy there and cindy has her own Cindy guitar. I don't have any Cindy guitars yet, but I have two Kelly. I have a Kelly, you know, Kelly Caster, and I have a... Uh, One second. Let's see if Ke- I can reach it with my headphones still attached. Uh, almost got it. I got it. Oh, you, oh, oh my gosh. So you have a, a jazz master. Yeah, this is my... Ke- yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a Kelly jazz master. Oh, that's uh, amazing. My family got it for me for my 30th birthday. And then there's some nice Cindy touch here. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. That's beautiful. What is that building on the back? So it's actually two buildings. Let me get back to the microphone so people can hear me. Um, It's two buildings. So the neck came from Trinity Church Bell Tower when it caught on fire. Rick went and like snuck in and <laughs> got some of the wood while they were rebuilding it. And then the body comes from a place called McGurk suicide hall. Wait, that's what this is. The, you have the same as I, I have a, my Kelly, uh, Kelly bird, like kind of firebird. Yeah. It's the same thing. The neck is from the church and the body is from McGurk suicide hall. Oh dude, that's so crazy. So like the, those that's the two buildings in the bitches in the back. So McGurk's oh, is amazing. that shorter one, and the Trinity Church is is the big tower. Oh, that's so cool! And, I yeah, 
I got. I, I should probably scene. take it back and have, have Cindy do that to mine. I got a because of like the potential uh, dark energy of the stories of those two buildings. Oh man, yeah. I had Cindy made me um, a pick guard with my dog on it because I was like, I need to put like some super good vibes energy into this guitar in the event that the darkness is too much. Um, yeah, for the listeners, uh, this stuff is all Googleable. So Google those buildings if you're not familiar, especially McGurk's. McGurk's is like, it's almost like, it's so cool to have a piece of that, but it's also like, what a horrible place. Like, <laughs> what yeah, a horrible, yeah. horrible I mean, place. Like, it was a lot. The story behind it's a lot. So, yeah. Um, so I got to give a good shout out to them. Poir Guitars. I don't know if you know that. Uh, Jay Poir in Cleveland makes these, he makes these, there was an, a poor guitarist initially, you know, a bunch of years back. And then he, he did, um, he's doing these new, new models now that are amazing. And I have a poor privateer. That's absolutely beautiful. Um, I don't want to forget anybody. Um, oh, I want to get Pardo guitars. They make, they're making some cool stuff like in Argentina or Spain. Oh, cool. Um, Oh, I gotta, I mean, it's endless. I gotta give a shout out. Godfrey Guitars, Les Godfrey. Do you know his stuff? I don't, I don't. Oh my God, you have to go on Instagram now. Godfrey Guitars, Les is like, he's a visionary. Like everything he does, you look at it and you're like, that's, I've never seen anything like that. It's so badass. Uh, Justin Abernathy, Aberna- Abernathy oh, guitars. I do know uh, those. Give, yes, he's been give on. Give a shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Such cool, cool stuff. Um, and then uh, Ostra Roth. I'm not saying that right. Uh, instruments in Manchester, making some cool. And oh my, we don't even have time. I'm just, I'm <laughs> just going to run out. And I apologize. I apologize. I'm giving too many. I'm going to forget certain people. But I mean. The list is Hendrick. long. Do you know Hendrick guitars? I don't. It's a whole, I mean, Kurt Hendrick made these guitars in the eighties that were insane. And then he kind of vanished and lived in Asia for like 30 years. And I was like looking all over for him and one of his guitars and I found, got a guitar and then I found him and he's building stuff again. That's totally badass. Um, Anyway, I'm going I'm just going to forget so many people. I need <laughs> I just need to stop because I feel bad cuz I know I'm forgetting someone I want to give a shout out to and uh, I apologize. I well, that's, I think they'll forgive you. I think you'll be okay. I hope so. Yeah. All right, cl- classic questions. Here we go. First, what is your favorite boss pedal? My favorite boss pedal. Oh, I mean, I guess what's the orange one? The distortion one? That- DS1. Yeah, the DS1. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the... Or can I say the Boss Tuner? Uh, the Boss Tuner. That's the most probably, popular answer. <laughs> I would say the Boss Tuner because that's really the only one that I use regularly, even though I would, I wish I had ever, all of them, but I don't. I Yeah, it's a dream of mine. It's never going to happen, but it's a dream of mine to own like every Boss pedal, but it's not going to happen. It's, it's, there's, just, there's so many... And some of them are super rare and expensive, and I just don't know if I'll ever be able to uh, justify, you know, the the uh, insane 
level of cost that it would uh, it would be to try to try to complete that collection, you know. Yeah. But yeah. The you tuners- got to go over to uh what's the JS Josh at JHS just oh, yes. his his warehouse or whatever. It's that's an amazing place if you can ever get yourself in there. It's I pretty, want to. It's pretty wild. <laughs> it's yeah, pretty I, insane. I I get, I get there. I have some of those pedals. Those are really cool. Yeah, the, it, it's 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 almost like I'm sure to them. It's it, you know you you get a little numb to it after a while. But like when you first walk in there, you're like, I'm here, and this <laughs> place is so much smaller than it looks on camera. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like not that big of a room, but they fit a lot in there. I think it was like yeah. over four thousand pedals when I was there. In like oh, one that's spot. insane. I was in uh, Jamie Stillman, you know, from Earthquaker. I was in Love his Jamie. basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jamie and Julie, they're, ama- they're amazing. And Anna at, at Earthquaker, they're all amazing. And um, yeah, I was in his basement once where that's like, he's got just the craziest, you know, and like early versions of his pedals and stuff. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. All right, final question. Here we go. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Ooh, well, my answer's changed because I stopped eating uh, beef. I, you know, I used to eat sausage. I would have said sausage pizza, but I stopped eating it. Um, so I have to say, like, I, I just like a nice margarita pizza. Um, hey, it's, it's hard to beat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'll do like a peppers, onions, and mushrooms, but really a solid margarita pizza. I'm, if, they, if it's done right, I'm super psyched. I know that's a, maybe a boring answer, but... Do you have a yeah. favorite pizzeria or favorite, like, spot that you go to? I mean, my favorite probably on planet Earth is Pugsley Pizza in the Bronx. Oh, um, okay. Which is kind of a full experience. I went to Fordham in the Bronx. And so that's kind of how I started going there. But I, I just went there a couple of weeks ago and it's, that's that. I, I love that pizza and sell, uh, at that. If you're in the Bronx, you should go to Pugsley's pizza and you'll, you'll thank me. All right. Shout out Pugsley's pizza. I like that. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out. I really enjoyed the chat. And, Thanks for uh, having me. Hopefully sometime if you're coming through Portland, we can uh, maybe hang out and nerd out a little bit. Are you at Portland, Oregon? That's me. Yep. Oh, so you must know, you must know Andy Martin. I do. Yes. Yeah, the pedal god. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be in Portland in December, December oh. 13th at Mississippi Studios. So oh, you no way. I'll oh, leave you tickets. Yeah, dude. Yeah, we'll be in touch. Okay. Yes. Excellent. Yes. And Grandma's, I always, Grandma's I always Christmas write to three Paul days Gilbert. Later. Yeah, we're good. We're good. I was like, oh, there's something going on mid-December. Grandma's Christmas. Nope, that's three days oh. later. 13th is great. I uh, so, I always invite Paul Gilbert to my Portland shows, but he's, he hasn't come out to one yet. But I, I just do it. I'm trying to wear him down. <laughs> one of these days, he'll show up. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for hanging out. We'll see what kind of shenanigans we can uh, drum up on uh, a quick Patreon. Does that work for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Got a couple more minutes here. Cool. All right, everybody. For Dave, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. 
All right, folks, there you have it. There it is in the can. Another episode is, what am I, Yoda? Why did I just say it like that? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but hey, I did it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Anyway, don't forget to take a second to check out Dave's book, The Awesome Game, because you know you want to hear about baboons. That, I mean, that was enough, right? You don't need to hear anything else. You know you've got to check out this book. Dave's website will be in the show notes along with his social, 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 social medias. Go check that out. And please, please, please share this episode with a friend or rather force them to listen to it. If you're on a long car ride right now with your best buddy and you're like, you know what? This guy needs introduced to the ramblings of the Tone Mob podcast. Just go ahead and make them listen to it. They're trapped and they must bend to your will unless unless they're they're driving or you just actually care about your friends and your personal relationships. Anyway, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I'll talk to you on the internet very, very soon. I'll probably have some extra bonus episodes this week as uh, as my schedule allows. I will do my best. But yeah, thank you all so much for hanging out. I appreciate you very much. And I'll talk to you on the internet very, very soon. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. 
Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.